There's something special about Christmas music, isn't there? I mean, you ask almost anybody this time of the year and they could tell you their favorite Christmas song and you don't have to ask too many people before you hear somebody say, Oh, Holy Night. It is this iconic Christmas song that is dearly loved by so many. But do you know the backstory behind Oh, Holy Night? There was a Catholic priest in France, and he went to one of his more irregular parishioners, a guy named Placide de Rockemeyer. And he asked him, hey, would you be willing to write a Christmas poem for a Christmas service? And Rockemeyer, you know, he was known more for his wines and his poetry than he was his faith or his church attendance. But he was honored by the request, and so he quickly got to work writing a poem for the Christmas Eve service. And he opened up the book of Luke and began to write, and what came out was, Oh Holy Night. When he wrote it, though, he thought, you know, this must be put to music. This seems more like a song than a simple poem. And so he went to one of his friends, a friend named Adolphe Adams. And Adams, he was a Jewish man. He didn't believe that Jesus was God's son. All the words on the page that Rockemeyer had just written, well, he didn't believe any of them. But he did like the words, and he was able to put it to music. It became Oh Holy Night. It was sung that uh, Christmas Eve service at that small little Catholic church in France in 1847. However, soon after that, it became known that Rockmeyer he left the church and became a socialist. Then it came out that Adams was a Jew and didn't even believe the words of the song. And so with that, France had the song banned. You could no longer sing it in the church services. But by this time, it had already captured the hearts and the minds of so many French people throughout the nation that it, it had grabbed a hold. And soon thereafter, over in America, well, there was an abolitionist who heard the words, Oh, Holy Night, and he thought, you know what, this is great. We need to bring this over to America. And so it became a hit here as well. What's more about Oh, Holy Night? In 1906, the radio was invented. I mean, can you imagine for the first time this guy, he begins to speak over the airwaves and so people on ships and, people, and tele, telephone operators, they begin to hear this voice coming through the system. It, it began to draw people in. And what that voice read? Well, he read the Gospel of Luke and after in the Christmas story, the birth story of Jesus. And after that story was read, well, then he played a violin playing Oh Holy Night. Oh Holy Night was the first song that ever went out over the radio. You know, it's incredible when you think back at Oh Holy Night. It was a song that you look at it and really, it should never have been written. A song that never should have been put to music. A song that never should have been sung at all. It reminds me of another song. I want you to see it this morning. We're jumping back into the book of Revelation as John writes what he sees in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, John writes, Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. 
Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls, bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of, and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You know, John was in worship. He was caught up in worship and he was taken to the throne room of God and he was given this incredible revelation. In fact, you look through the book of Revelation and several times, John, he just passes out cold. Everything he's beholding, taking in, it's just too much for him. Then he just passes out. I mean, can you imagine God? He's like, okay, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Uh, hey, we've got an angel here who can wake him up. I mean, come on, you're, you're missing this, John. I mean, this is important here. See, this is this incredible scene where John, he's beholding so much, taking it all in. And now, John sees a scroll. You know, in the ancient world, uh, in fact, if you go all the way back to 2nd century AD, literature was often written on scrolls. That's where, that's where he wrote. It was a scroll of parchment or of leather. And God the Father, he's on the throne holding this scroll, and the scroll captures John's attention because there's writing on the front and the back. Did you catch that? Did you notice that? That on this scroll, there's writing on the front and the back. Now, in the ancient world, you pretty much just wrote on one side. It was exceedingly rare that you would ever write on both sides. But John says, hey, there's writing on the front and the back, both sides. Why? Because it contains all the words of eternity. It contains the full will of God and what's going to happen, this future to be unleashed for God to make the world just as it ought to be for everything to come into a proper alignment with him see this is not the words of mortal flesh this is not the words of puny people this is by the will and word of God almighty and it's complete there's nothing that needs to be added to it. All that needs to be said is said. It's all written there. The only thing that needs to happen now is for someone to take the scroll. For someone to take the scroll and open it up and unleash eternity. But it's sealed. 
It's sealed with seven seals. Now, there were documents, several documents back in that time that you would seal, and you would seal with seven seals. One of those documents was a will, and it was sealed by seven witnesses, each with their own uh, seal affixed to the document. In the scroll, the, the will it could not be opened unless you had all seven of those witnesses present to open the seal. They all had to be there. This scroll, it's sealed. It's sealed by the perfect witness of the sevenfold spirit of God, an allusion back to the Holy Spirit in the book of Isaiah. And all that needs to happen now to unleash God's future, to, to unleash this eternity as it's supposed to be, as God ordained it to be, the only thing that needs to happen is for this seal to be broken, is for the scroll to be opened. And so the strong angel, he gets up and he asks the question, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals? Who has that kind of authority? Who can, uh, who was an original witness to the signing of this document? Who knows the will of God? Who knows the, the power? Who has the power to fulfill the contents? of this document to reclaim the rebellious earth. Who can do that? Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals? And so a search is made. Search is made throughout all of creation. They start in the heavens and they look and no angel, there's no one there in the heavens. And so it races down through all of humanity on earth and then even to the depths of Hades and the answer comes back, no one. No one is worthy. Notice the question is, who is worthy? Not who is willing. Not, not who, hey, who would be willing to open this for us? No, it's who is worthy. <coughs> no angel is worthy. No person is worthy. Abraham, he wasn't worthy. Isaac or Jacob, they weren't worthy. David or Daniel, they're not worthy. Joseph, Isaiah. Paul, Peter, none of them are worthy. No one steps forward and says, hey, look at me, I'm worthy. And so John, he sees this. He sees that no one is stepping forward, that no one is worthy, that no one can unleash eternity the way God has dreamt it to be, the way that God wants it to be. And so John, he lets out this primal scream and these sobs. You ever heard somebody scream like this? You ever heard somebody sob? like that. It's the scream of a parent who had to bury their child. It's the screams of the children of, in, of Israel in bondage and they're crying out in the midst of their affliction. It's the scream of a spouse who realizes they've been betrayed. It's, it's the scream of Joseph as he's thrown into the pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. It's the scream that comes when a doctor says, I'm sorry, there's just nothing more we can do. These are the screams and sobs of all of humanity experiencing the trials and the sufferings of life. And here, John, he screams and he sobs for all of us. No, God, dear God, no, there must be a way. It shouldn't be like this because John knows without anyone worthy to open the scroll. That means that death, sin, damnation, hell, 
would reign forever and ever and God's earth forever would be in the hands of Satan. If no one is worthy to open the scroll, Satan wins. If no one's worthy, Satan wins. And so John, with his head in his hands, he's screaming and sobbing because no one can conquer evil. No one can usher in the future kingdom. No one can deliver heaven. No one can clothe mortals with immortality. No one. Did I say no one? Because there is one. One of the elders there, he, he grabs John and says, look up, man. Did you see this? And he looks up and he sees the lion of Judah, the root of of David. This is, this is the Messiah. These are messianic phrases. And he's standing as though he's been slain. Everything that is taking place in this throne room, just look how perfect everything is in this throne room. Everything's great. Everything's gorgeous. Everything's perfect. And now there's this one who's standing as though he's been slain. You can still see his scars. <laughs> and he's the only one who can open it. The only one who can open the scroll is the one who bears the scars of all humanity. You know, I've told you this before, but it's always worth repeating that sometimes you'll hear somebody say, hey, there's nothing man-made in heaven. The fact is, that's just not true. Because there's the scars on Jesus. We put those there. You and I, our sin, the sin of humanity was all placed on Jesus in order to pay for my sin, in order to pay for your sin. Those are the scars on Jesus. He had to go to the cross. He had to suffer and die. He had to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Our sin put him there. Our sin put those scars there. And so for all of eternity, he wears those scars. Those scars, this reminder, a permanent reminder of why we're there in the first place, of how we got there, of how sin was defeated. The scars of Jesus, they're a permanent reminder of the cost of Christmas, of what it would cost Jesus to come into this world to reclaim what is rightly his. The scars are a permanent reminder of the cost of Christmas. See, Jesus, he experienced the trials and the sufferings of life. He knows those screams, those primal screams that come from this deep place from within. But unlike us, when we go through hard things and we just are in the midst of a sinful world, well, we sometimes cave to that sin. He never did. He never did anything wrong, never said anything wrong, never thought anything wrong. He was the perfect sacrifice, the only one worthy, the only one able to do the will of God, and now the only one worthy to open the scroll. There is only one who can open the scroll. You understand that? There is only one who can take the scroll, and so he takes the scroll. Do you notice that? Jesus takes the scroll. The, the father just doesn't walk over and hand it to Jesus. Jesus takes it. That speaks to the trust that they had in that relationship that the father has with the son. Because you think about it, when someone takes something from your hand, the trust that you've got to have just to allow that person to take it. Because that's what happens here. 
the Father. He's holding the scroll. The scroll has the future. It, it, it has his will. It has everything as it should be. It has all of eternity in his hand. And Jesus comes and he takes it from him. And the Father, he doesn't just clinch it tighter. He doesn't pull it back. He doesn't look at Jesus with some kind of weird look like, what are you doing? Why do you think you can take this? No, he lets it go. He lets Jesus take it because he understands Jesus is worthy. He understands that Jesus really does have this. That, that everything that is written on those scrolls, that Jesus will unleash, that he will fulfill, that he will bring about to reality. And so, yeah, the Father just lets Jesus take the scroll. And throughout the next few chapters in the book of Revelation, Jesus, he's opening the scrolls. And that's, those are the next few chapters of Revelation. Everything is happening just the way God wants it to happen. It's coming about just the way that God intends it to come about. Humanity is ransomed and saved from sin and Satan forever. Humanity is given her future. Jesus took the scroll. You remember that time when Jesus was just a boy <laughs> and he ended up in Jerusalem and he stays there and his parents don't really know what happened to him because they're on their way back and they think Jesus is with the kids, but he's not with the kids. He just hung out in Jerusalem because he says, hey, I got to be about my father's business. But while he was there, there were other scrolls, you know. He's hanging out with the teachers of the law and he's asking them questions and he's listening to them and they're amazed at the questions that he's, he's asking, at his level of understanding, at his insight into the scrolls. Why? Because he understands the scrolls. He gets the scrolls. He, he knows the scrolls. Yes, he has the insight. He has the understanding of all the words of scripture. And now this risen, perfect sacrifice, this lion of Judah, this root of David, now he holds this scroll. You know what's on that scroll, don't you? No, not, not just eternity, not just the future. Yes, there's that, but it's more than that. You know what's on the scroll, don't you? You are. I am. We're the ones on the scroll. Everything he's dreamed for us. It's written on both sides. I mean, one side can't contain all the hopes, everything God wants for you. It's on both sides. And you know it, don't you? You know it. That if we were really honest with each other and we would just sit down and we would talk about it, there's this pain in life, there's this ache in life that our hearts just know that, hey, where the way we're living is not everything it could be. That there's these hurts and there's these trials that life is not as it should be. That there's this incongruency between what I know is right and what I want to do and then the way I often live. And, and if we were just to really get down, we know there's got to be more to life than this. That doesn't match. There's this incongruency here. And so there's this hunger within us, this ache, this ache. And it lets you know that there's something more. You understand that ache is God's gift to you. It's this dissatisfaction with this life yearning for something more. It's what caused the prodigal son to get up out of the pig pit and, and, and to run back home saying, oh, there's got to be, even, even I'm like a servant, it's better than this. There's this dissatisfaction. And so God, he's pulling at your heart to let you know there is more. That I have more for you than this. That I've created you. I've made you for more than this. That yeah, this incongruency that you feel in life, 
It's because life is not as it should be just yet. That I will unleash a future so that things can be right. See, this ache is God's gift. This ache, it it causes us to hope that Jesus will open the scroll. That he will make all things new, all things congruent, all things aligned. The hope that what he says will actually be realized. I know that maybe you're thinking, you know, that sounds really good, but I I feel like my story's been written. I feel like my aches are, are permanent, my hurts, my scars, that they're there forever. Because you know the things you've thought. You thought, ah, I can't believe I ever thought things like that. There's words that you've said that you wish you could take back. There's things that you've done that you swore you'd never do. And God is not just going to send some divine lightning on you the way you think he might. See, understand, Jesus did not come to condemn you, but to rescue you. And what's written on that scroll is you. It's your story. It's the hopes that God has for you. It's, it's to put you in alignment with him so that everything can be lived out just the way God intends it to be. You see, what's on that scroll, it, it's a story of hope. It's a story of purpose, a story of meaning, a story of joy that he's going to open up for you. Now, we experience it imperfectly because we're still imperfect. But when he opens that scroll, perfection. The aches stop, the hurts stop, the yearnings stop. Why? Because the scroll is you. The way God intends for you to be, the scroll is you. Jesus was born to give humanity her future back. You know, at Christmas time, music is popular and we're always singing songs and it's on the airwaves. Wherever you go, you walk into a store and you hear Christmas music and yeah, you ask almost anybody and they can tell you their favorite Christmas song. At the same time though, you come into a big building and people are singing Christmas carols. If you look around the room, if you look around the room, sooner or later you'll find somebody who's probably not singing. They're probably just sitting there quietly, or maybe you'll look around and you'll find somebody who, they're kind of mouthing the words, but you can tell their heart's not in it. They're just kind of going through the motions. Why? I don't know. Maybe there's the ache there, the dissatisfaction. Maybe it's just the distractions of life. They got a lot of things on their mind, but for whatever reason, somebody stays quiet. You know, there's that popular song that was made famous not too long ago. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it will be like when I'm in the presence of God. Guess what? John's writing and he's saying, you don't have to only imagine. You know, will you stand in his presence or will you fall to your knees? Oh, you're going to fall. John tells us you're going to fall. With all of creation, you're going to fall down before the only one who is worthy. Because you've looked around and you've seen no one else is stepping up. No one else is worthy. No one else can usher in this future, this grand and glorious future. God's will on earth as it should be. No one can do it. Satan would win. And then there's the one who is worthy. And so what do we all do? Everyone, all creation falls down 
And will you sing hallelujah or will you be, or will you be able to speak at all? Oh, you'll sing. You'll sing. You'll join in with the chorus of everyone singing with all they've got. I mean, you just pictured the scene that we've seen so far in Revelation 4 and 5. You're behind the, beside the sea of glass. And there's this throne, and now there's this one standing, and he's going to open the seal. He's, he's going to open the seals. He's going to unleash the scroll. He's, he's giving us our, our future, everything. There's lightning and thunder booming from the throne. All of creation, thousands of thousands of angels, myriads of myriads, everybody joining in. Worthy are you, Lord, to take the scroll to ransom people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And to make all people a kingdom of priests for you. Worthy are you to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We will be on our faces kneeling before him singing this grand. I mean it's going to be some kind of a concert. I even think I'm going to be on key as we're singing. It's going to be incredible. You see as you sing your Christmas carols this year. Remember, you're singing about the one who's going to open the scroll, who's going to give you your life just the way God intends. He's the only one worthy. He's the only one who can do it. That's who we're singing about. The only one who can unleash God's future and eternity for all of humanity the way God intends. Where is Christmas going? <laughs> it's going to a place where we will all sing, no one will be quiet, we'll all sing from all that is within us together at the top of our lungs to the only one who is worthy. Heavenly Father, we do confess this morning that you and you alone are worthy. No one else can stop the screams, the sobs. No one else can reach into broken humanity with all the sin and all the suffering and make it right. Only you can open that scroll. And God, we look forward to that day when all of creation gathers around you, the only one who is worthy, and we sing of your greatness. You are worthy. Help us to proclaim that now. We need your help to do that. So we ask this by the power of your spirit and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.